Hi, everybody. It's Joe Lorenzo with Society Talks. I am here with Alberto Zenni. Hi, Alberto. How are you? Hey, Joe. How's it going? Good. Good. good keeping it good, safe. Good. Keeping it indoors. I was just going to say, what are you doing to, because everybody should know right now, we are not together. We're not in the studio like we normally are. We are definitely social distancing. Um, yep. And what, how are you doing with all this? To be honest, I'm actually having a lot of fun at home. Uh, this, this is what happened to me. As soon as I didn't have to go out and run around and get in the car and get in traffic and do all these things that we normally do, my brain started just exploding in creativity. So I've been developing TV shows. I've been writing a couple of features and musical and, and, and all of these ideas and having meetings through the internet. And it's like, it's been very creative since I don't have the pressure of doing anything else right now. So, right. Um, so you're I, I can't explain. So being a writer, I would say that this is even ideal because writers I know go and lock themselves up in a tower somewhere for weeks to do their thing. So this That's is right. probably ideal for you. That's right. This is, this is actually pretty good. That's great. Well, let's start at the beginning. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in a city called Monterrey, which is the northeast of Mexico. I've been it's, to Monterrey. Uh, you have? Oh, I've nice. been to Monterrey. I've been to Querétaro. I've been all over Mexico. Nice. Why? Uh, well, <laughs> because I've done speeches there. I've done, you know, like I've visited there. I actually have a trip booked to Tulum for Memorial Day weekend. And Love who it. the hell knows if I'm going to even make it, you know? I used to live in Cozumel. I lived there for a few months. I've been there as well. So beautiful what brought you people, beautiful town. Went to school for engineering? Yeah, I uh, I have a degree in uh, in electronics. Uh, my my expertise was electronics and control. So basically, my career is one of those people that design all the systems in order to either uh, create a factory where you're going to press a button and all the machines are going to come together and they're going to create something, or uh, create the controlling systems for satellites and you know anything. So okay, yeah, that, that's, I want to bring it back to actually Monterey in your childhood. Um, something I knew I found out about you was that you, um, when you were a teenager, you worked in a place called, and I may I may mess this up, Parque Plaza Sesamo. Did I say it right? Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, and explain to me what that is because I know what it is, but explain to everybody else. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Parque Plaza Sesamo is the first and only Sesame Street theme park in, I think, Latin America. I'm not sure if it's only Mexico, but it's but for sure in Mexico. But I think it's also Latin America. And uh, I I was 14 when I first got in there and I, I was one of those people doing the shows. Um, they have a, a thing called Los Chicos Sesamo, which was the, the, the kids, the Sesame Street kids. And we had uh, independent shows from, from the Muppets and, and well, not the Muppets, but the, the characters. And, um, uh, and, and then eventually I grew up enough to be able to play the cookie monster and, uh, and uh, Burton Ernie and, and all these characters and just do um, the bigger shows. So yeah, so it's, a, it's a theme park. It's like Disney. Is that hysterical? Is that where it started? You getting the acting bug? That is where I started. Actually, I I didn't get the acting bug until I was about eighteen, and I was doing musical theater. Before that, everything I had to do with entertainment was 
either dancing or singing. And it was music. Music was, was the thing that was driving me to be an entertainer. Um, and then eventually I found, I got invited to, to be in, uh, to audition for, um, for a musical play, which was the sound of music. And from then on, obviously I got it, I got in and I, I got the, the, the feeling of being in a theater, not only singing, but also speaking and, and acting and, and doing all of these things. And it was, it was a very different environment from what I did in, at the park. And, um, from, and at that point I got a scholarship to move to Mexico city to, to get a acting training. And that was it. I just fell in love with acting and, um, I, by then, I already released an album singing, and it didn't do anything, and, and I was a little frustrated with that musical career, so I said, you know what? Acting is awesome. I'm, I love it, so might as well go into it deep, and that's what I did, and, the, and here I am. What's the, um, like the industry like in Mexico City, the entertainment industry, films and TV? What's it like? It is. It's very much like here. The, uh, there's not a lot of... There's not a lot of opportunity in the sense of the amount of projects that are being created now. Nowadays, more because of the streaming services. Uh, uh, but before, when when I started, there wasn't a lot going on. So there was a lot of um, government funds and and things like that that you could utilize in order to create a film. But it was not that consistent, and it was not that 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 big. Um, you mean like the, like some of the states here do tax credits and things like that? Yeah, yeah, sort of, sort of. Okay. The the thing is, over there, the 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 government has um, uh, a secretary that deals it just solely um, for that, and it's and it's countrywide. It's not based on each territory, and it's it's a whole different ballpark. It's a whole different system. And so, back in those days, that didn't that didn't even exist when I started my career. So. That was not something that that you would hear about, like, oh yeah, we're gonna get a tax incentive, we're gonna, we're gonna get a movie going. That that was yeah. not a thing. So the amount of work that we were doing back in those days wasn't anywhere near what it's been done today and what was been done in the US. That said, it was a lot of fun. Cause yeah. I started in television and then and then I got to be a, a creative producer on one of my shows which was I was hosting as well. And we got to top five um, of the national ratings on television. And it was just, you know, creative movement all over. So it was a lot of fun. It was very creative. Was it, it was meeting interesting people. Was it yeah. a telenovela? No, 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 no. It was a show kind of like punked. Remember punked? Oh, okay. Kind of like, like punked. It was a mix between a few things and, and we create. I I was writing the the situations like who we, we were gonna be uh, uh, basically mocking or having an interaction with, and I would put together a whole scenario around it and how we were gonna do it. And then I had a producer who was the one that invited me to be part of the project, and and he would just do everything else. You know, he would he would bring the the people who were gonna do doing the cameras and the people that were gonna be supporting me and so on and so forth. So, gotcha. yeah, it was did a lot you, of fun. Did you ever do any tel telenovelas? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Okay. When I started, I because I was studying in a school of one of the big TV stations, 
we were supposed to go into the telenovelas. That was that was a given. So we, I went to, um, I think like five or six in the time I was there. I was there for like right. about a year and a half. And five or six now, different telenovelas. I was gonna yep. say, even if you don't speak Spanish, those are literally so fun to watch. Oh yeah, I, just the 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 drama and the the slapping and the, the, there's just so much going on. <laughs> and it's, it's really really fun to watch, even if you don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Well, remember, it is it isn't drama per se; it's melodrama, which is exacerbated drama so it's gotta be yeah. big and it's gotta be i really hate you and i gotta say what i'm thinking out loud uh, even if there's other people in the room which makes no sense but i will say it and you know the zoom in when i make a phase and th yeah there's a whole style around doing telenovelas that that people sometimes mock but it's very specific and if you don't do it it doesn't work so got it yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Doing telenovelas is fun. So much fun. I can imagine. I, it's fun to watch. And I speak very minimal Spanish. And I still can watch and get through it. You know? That yep. and one of my favorites. Because I am half Cuban. But I just really didn't. My dad came from Cuba. And it's not something that I retained well enough. And I should have. And, and anybody who's out there. You, I mean, you really do need to learn Spanish. It's such a gift to, to learn. But... I we used to watch when I was a kid Don Francisco, and so even that <laughs> was hysterical and fun, and I had no idea what they were saying, you know. So, but mm -hmm. it's some of these things the way the production and what they do it's it's they're really fun. So I urge anybody to go watch them. Yep, yep, yeah. absolutely. They are fun. Um, so now you, I also know something about you that you know several languages other than English and Spanish. What are the other languages? I do. I speak Italian. I speak Hebrew. I speak uh, like 50% French, maybe a little less. And I'm studying Mandarin right now. And how did you learn all of those? Just studying. Studying. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I went to uh, my, my second language is Italian, actually. And I went to a, a school in my hometown and I studied it formally at a school for like a year, and so I speak it. And then Hebrew, I learned by myself with a book, and uh, and then I had a lot of Israeli friends, and and then I had a, a, an Israeli girlfriend, and obviously that helps. Mm. Um, uh, French, it, you know, French is just I I learned through watching movies and reading books and stuff like that. And what would Mandarin, you say the I have an app. Learn? What is it? What? What would you say the easiest was to learn, other than Spanish, because you were engrossed in it? But what would you say was the easiest to learn? Well, Italian, Italian is the closest to Spanish as yeah, possible. That's true. So Italian, Italian, I would say would be the easiest. But l listen, this is the thing: once you start learning languages, and you figure out, well, you start figuring out the the similarities between the languages even if the icons are are different even if the pronunciation is completely different even if it seems like it's a completely different world of what you're saying there are things that you can relate from one language to another that just makes sense like the 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 semantics like how you place the words within a phrase and things like that and once you get that and, and your brain starts understanding it it's very easy to pick it up. 
And then obviously you, you got to hear it. When I moved to, to the States in 2005, I didn't speak a word of English. Like I knew English, but, uh, but because I studied grammar and, and things like that, but I, I didn't speak it ever and I didn't hear it. So when I first moved here, I was, uh, I was at a, my first weekend here. I, uh, the, the sister-in-law of one of my cousins took me to a party and I, I was immersed in this party and I was just hearing noise. It was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, I don't understand anything. And then suddenly I see myself in this circle of people and they were throwing jokes and, and talking to each other. And literally it was a thing where if everybody laughed, I would just laugh along. Like, ah, yeah. yes, yes, you're good, yes. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a thing like that. It was like, I don't understand anything at all. And, you know, I'm just going to immerse myself into it. And actually, I made myself a promise when I first moved here. I said, I'm going to spend at least a year to two years not speaking Spanish at all. I'm not going to wow. meet anybody that speaks Spanish. I'm not going to talk to anybody that speaks Spanish. I'm going to learn English the way it's supposed to be learned. And I'm going to I'm going to perfect it because I wanted to be able to speak Spanish, speak English with my accent or any other accent and speak English the way everybody else speaks it on television and films. And uh, so, yeah, for two years, I didn't speak a word of Spanish. And, and this is a result. Did you study when you came to La, La, uh, cause you're in Los Angeles, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So did you study acting or like, what did you do as soon as you got here? I mean, did you get into classes and things? Yeah. 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 I actually, when I, one of the TV shows that I had in Mexico, I was doing a TV show for kids and I met an actor whose name is Brad Dourif. And oh, yeah. I don't know if you know him. Do you know? Him? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, we know. Okay. Yeah. Well, so for people that don't know him, he has been in pretty much everything you can think of that it's important in television and film. He was the voice of Chucky in uh, in Child's Play. He was um, uh, Snake Eye in uh, in the uh, Lord of the Rings, the, the the second part of the Lord of the Rings. And he's been in so many different things. He's like he's a phenomenal actor. And so I interviewed him and he told me about the Meissner technique, which is a, a very interesting acting technique that, that is given here. Um, and he basically, he told me, go to Los Angeles and find a school and, you know, study it. Um, I, it was either that or go to New York, but he basically recommended Los Angeles. I said, you know what? Yeah, why not? So when I moved here, I came specifically to train. The idea was to train and then get back to Mexico and continue working and, and continue and possibly teaching. And so I did. So uh, I came here, I, I trained uh, a master's degree uh, from Meisner for two years. And then uh, I finished and then I went home. And then I tried to, I was about 27 by then. So I went home and I, I tried to teach people. Um, and uh I don't know. I guess you they tried saw to me. Teach them what you learned here in Meisner, you tried to bring it back to where? Mexico City? To Mexico City. Yeah, that's right. Nice. Okay. And because uh, at that time, Meisner was not in the game at all in Mexico. No, nobody knew what Meisner was. Um, and it's been around since the beginning of last, last century. So. Um, so I went there and nobody wanted to to give me a space to teach and I got frustrated. So I came back here and I applied for a work visa, got a work visa, 
And uh, I set up a production company and I started doing all these other things because back in those days, the Latino market in the U.S. for entertainment was not a thing. It didn't exist. So all the roles that I would get were, were um, uh, the guy that crossed the border illegally or or the or the waiter or the gardener. Stereotype. Yeah, completely stereotypical characters. And if you see me physically, I don't necessarily look like the stereotype, and which was a little bit of a little bit frustrating as well. Because okay, yeah, we do have people that work those things, and they're phenomenal at what they do. That is not me, though. That I have no relationship to crossing the border illegally. I have no relationship to to uh, to any of these things whatsoever. Yeah. And I said, you know what? Uh, in order for me to amplify my spectrum of work, I need to do something. So I, that's when I started writing, and that's when I started producing. And we produced. Um, I set up a company with a with a friend of mine who was a director, and we 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 produced a short film called Ablution, which was a story. It was based on a real terrorist attack that happened in 1994 in Buenos Aires. And we basically grabbed the story, we just spinned it around and, and, and asked the question, what if? What if this kid who did the, the terrorist attack was left alone for a week uh, and the only relationship or the only contact with any human being that he had was with a Jewish family that was across the street? So, uh, so I, played, I played the Arab terrorist guy that has obviously a change of heart at the end of the story. Um, and we won a whole bunch of awards and, and did a lot of things. And, and uh, I spoke a little bit of Arabic. Uh, I got training from a friend who was, who was um, from, uh, from Lebanon. And, and it, was just, it was just an interesting experience in order to explore more or beyond what I was giving back in those days. Now it's a different thing. Now, you know, yeah. there's so many Latinos working on television and film that you know, it's not, it's not. Well, I want to get, I want to get back to that actually, but I wanted to, I just want to ask, when did you get your first acting job here? Uh, I think not, not much longer after I got my, my papers, I started going for commercials and I think I got a commercial. I think I got my, my SAG card really quickly within i don't know a couple months maybe oh that's good okay yeah um that's great so i do want to come back to what you just mentioned though um you know how do you feel because we do hear a lot about you know diversity and francis mcdormand said that amazing thing um when she won her oscar about an inclusion writer and i know michael b jordan mm -hmm. just did it on one of his films he made warner brothers do it um, how do you feel about the inclusion of Latinos right now in television or film? And are you happy the way that it's going or, I mean, I don't know. Well, this is the thing. A lot of people have asked me that. And I think we are reaching a point as a community where we are starting to create content that has a very high quality. And when you have something that is high quality, it's undeniable. That, it, that it's like that, and it's undeniable that people are going to watch it. Like, for example, Narcos. Narcos is not even in English for the most part. Yeah. It's 90% in Spanish, and it's one of the most successful TV shows on Earth today. And, right. And uh, you have the American market 
completely in love with the project, even if they have to read subtitles. And why why is that? You know, there's high quality in the concept. The production value is incredible. The acting is really great. And not obviously because I'm in it, but it is. No, but the, um, the stories and the characters and the, you're right. And it's beautiful to look at and everything. And, and the grit yeah. of it, that's what I love is the grit of it. I mean, it's, it's, it'll, it packs a punch. I mean, there's everything in there, you know? Yeah. Um, now, so if let's you consider, if you consider, let me just finish uh, what you were asking me. Now, it, this is the thing. This is one of the one of the things that that Hollywood hasn't been able to get a grasp on. If you talk about Latinos or Latinx or however you want to call them, uh, you cannot place us in the same sack. It's it's we're in the same box. It's we are so diverse. We have so many different cultures. We have so many different food styles we have um our languages even we even change a little bit even if we, we speak spanish they have these different nuances based on the territory uh we have food we have skin colors i mean i have cousins that are white with green eyes i, I have cousins that are super brown i have friends that are completely african african uh, heritage i have all of that and they're all in latin america so that's one of the things that that right now, when you talk about diversity in the Latino in the Latino community, uh, or the in the inclusion of the Latino community, that people don't realize that there are so many different variables that we have that we're bringing to the table. Now that said, for the people that are from south of the border and down, but there's a lot of Latinos in the U.S. that have no relationship whatsoever to the Latinos down there from Mexico all the way to the, to the Patagonia. And, and they have a different sensibility and they have a different appreciation of, of things in life and everything. And they have stories to tell. And most of the stories, when we talk about the Latino stories, everybody thinks that, you know, it's, or, or the majority of the people that are creating the projects in Hollywood think, oh yeah, well, it's got to have someone speaking Spanish or someone, uh, you know, with a sombrero or something like that. And it's not necessarily like that at all. I mean, there are people here with a different sensibility that have a Latino background that can tell you any kind of story. So yeah. that is inclusion. I, I can tell you a story about a man and a woman and, and, and their relationship. That has nothing to do with being Latino. Well, that's I am a, Latino, I think, though. I think when I no longer have to ask that question is when it's, yeah. When it's actually inclusion, like you said, true. But it is still a question that is asked, and it is still something that people oh, yeah. any 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 um any diversity, any um, race, creed, whatever it may be, it, it, you know that they, they they do ask it and they do wonder and they do you know you do hear to, uh, talking about it's not enough black people represented, there's not enough Asian people represented, and all that kind of stuff. So I think mm -hmm. you're right. I think that's a great statement that you made. When we no longer have to ask that, or we no longer have to think that like, oh gosh, what is it? The Oscar so white kind of thing what they used to do, you know, that mm -hmm. we had in the past. Um, when that no, no longer is even a question, then yes, there's inclusion. So that was a great statement. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So now talk about, we, you mentioned Narcos. Tell us what your character is. Tell us what we can expect to see. Is season two out or I'm, season oh, yeah. three? Yeah. Where are we? Where are we in it? Season, season two. three? Season two, Mexico. Yeah. All right, all right, that's right. So um, 
so now tell us like about your character and the story arc and all that kind of stuff. Okay, my character's name is Amat Palacios. Um, he is a former Mexican cop, uh, but he has a very close relationship to the north side of the border. He, his brother is in jail, and he is um, good friends with the leader of the DEA rogue team that infiltrates Mexico, and he makes a deal with him saying that if he helps out in this um, in this um, project, this, this um, operation, his brother's going to be released from prison. And so he goes into it with the idea that it doesn't matter what he does, as long as he complies with the needs of whatever he needs to do, then his brother is going to be released from prison. So a lot of his drive has to do and drive and motivation has to do with the fact that he wants his family to be reunited and well. Um, he is one of those people that he doesn't, he doesn't open up just to anybody. He's, he's not going to be like, if, if there's someone new in the room, he's not going to go to the front of the room and, and talk to that person face to face. He's going to be, moving to the back of the room and he's going to be covering his Observing. face and maybe whispering and maybe, you know, he's not, he's, he's, yeah. he's very cautious. He's very cautious. He doesn't want people to know him fully until he decides that they should. Um, and he's always looking out for his teammates as well as himself. Um, he's a guy with a big heart, but he doesn't show it. And he is, um, He's kind of a trickster too, but he's serious when he's talking about his job, obviously because he cares about his job and his and his family. Mm -hmm. And uh, he finds doesn't a have a, a what? Is it fun to play? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. this this is the thing. Ahmad wasn't wasn't created based on any real life person, historical person. So I have he's, – he's more the, the combination of a lot of different people that, that work in Operation Operacion Leyenda, which was the, um, the, the name of, of the operation that they were going through with the DEA. And uh, based on the fact that he was not really uh, someone that lived, I got the freedom to play however I wanted. So I, I did – I just – went with the flow i played with everybody i played with everything and it was one of those things that um he would make faces at someone that said a comment that he didn't like he uh he would make a noise he he just dismiss anybody's comments if he didn't he didn't like it or, or whatever he was just he was just being and that was a lot of fun to play so now those who don't know what is the difference? Because there's Narcos and there's Narcos Mexico, correct? And That's right. What's sort of the difference in the two and what's changed? And can you talk a little bit about the difference between the two? Because you're in Narcos Mexico, which you're on season That's two. Correct. But then there's a few seasons of uh, Narcos as well. So what's the difference? Well, it's uh, basically Narcos was obviously the, the beginning of this whole storytelling. And... Um, it was the the origin of the drug trade in the early in the late seventies, early eighties, and then Narcos Mexico is basically in the storyline is it happens at the same time because the Colombians with Escobar, which is Narcos, 
had to come together with the Mexicans because they needed to pass all the, the cocaine through the Mexican territory and then cross it to the American territory to sell. So Narcos Mexico is basically the same storyline. It's happening at the same time. It's just on the Mexican territory. And in Mexico, the way things work, like, for example, the difference between the, the way things worked in Colombia and Mexico was that in Colombia, there were uh, two or three different entities working the drug trade, mainly was Escobar and the Medellin cartel. Uh, but Escobar was at, at some point the biggest one of all of them, and he overshadowed everybody and everything, and he was very public and he was very open. And in Mexico, it was a completely different thing because they had what they called the the uh, plaza system. And the plaza system was my my family or my team or my group controls this specific territory. So there were about five or six different plazas throughout the, the country, and then those plazas owned that territory, and anything that happened through that plaza, they needed to get a piece of, or they needed to run it. So there was this one person, one man with a vision, with a like humongous vision, to say, okay, what if we all come together as a society, and that way we get to control everything that happens or that passes through Mexico and we get to control the price. So we raise the prices, we get more money and we basically all unified to become very, very rich. And he convinced them. It's like, it's like convincing people that have been, this is real. Yeah. This is based oh. on, on real facts. Uh, yeah. Miguel Angel Gallardo Felix, Felix Gallardo was the man that unified all the plazas at some point in the, in the mid eighties. And he was, I mean, for what he did, he was a visionary. He was obviously a criminal, but but he was a visionary, and he had the courage to go talk to all of these people that were at odds with each other. They were always fighting each other and and killing each other. And then suddenly mm. he he grabs them all, puts them on on a on the same table, and says, "Okay, let's be friends for the sake of making a lot of money." And they were okay. Let's do it. And then that lasted for however many years. And, and you know, things fall apart in, 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 in all organizations for the most part. But criminal organizations tend to tend to have a, a shorter lifespan. And uh, uh, but for the time being, which is what you're going to be seeing in season one and two, uh, this is what, what was happening. He just put everybody together and made it work and then he was running all the all the cocaine that was coming from colombia all the way to the u.s hmm. wow okay so it's a mm -hmm. comedy yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, um now you had something that's interesting that you i know you, you mentioned a production company but you've got something mm -hmm. that um is called me there and it's like a crowdfunding um social media platform something um, yeah. tell me a little bit more about it. Cause I, I know a little bit, I think it's, you know, it's for people's creativity to sort of come to life and help get funding or something. I don't know if I'm speaking out of term, but tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Me there is, is an app is going to be a platform that we're, we're going to be launching this year, which I think right now, especially because of the whole situation where people cannot leave their homes and they have to become creative within the parameters of their own, um, geographical position. 
Uh, Meet there is going to enable a lot of people to create campaigns and 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 do crowdfunding on either projects, ideas, uh, products, or content they want to do. And the whole point is we're merging social media with the idea of crowdfunding. So now you're going to be able to create a campaign, but at the same time you're creating a campaign, you're going to be able to talk to people about what, whatever it is that you're putting out. So as as a leader or as a person that it's creating something, you're going to have certain tools you're going to be able to create by talking to people uh, you're going to enable yourself to start testing early on the ideas that you believe people may want or may not want. And then you're going to realize what it is that that people truly are looking for within the, the frame of whatever it is that you're creating. So um, that's amazing. Like example, that's like we, focus we, group meets the crowdfunding because they used to do focus groups all the time at the networks. Exactly. And so that's, exactly. Right? Essentially, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's go- it's also going to educate you on how to talk to people. The- this is the thing: the more you talk about your own project, the more you re- you you know what it is. The more you understand your own project or your own product or your own service or your own whatever it is that you're putting out in the world. So the idea here is that you educate yourself to talk to more people better, understand better your product, your product or project. And also start iterating, which is start changing the 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 functionality of whatever it is that you're doing in order to make it more appealing for the audience or the target that you want to reach. And at the same time, this is this is a beautiful part of this. You are going to have a community supporting you in order to grow. And when that happens, the community is also growing with you because they're going to be able to be a part of something that it's been created from the get go. And they're, they're going to grow with you. They're going to go with you. And they're going to have that pride of saying, oh, yeah, I helped that thing to be created. I helped that thing to be actually out in the world. And now, you know, I feel good about myself. And you may be able to get benefits from it as well. It depends on, on who's creating the project. They're going to be able to give to have give backs where, you know, like any other crowdfunding platform, if you if you give them a certain amount of money, you're going to get a certain item or certain service or certain whatever it is that the, 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 they set up to be. Uh, but the main thing here is the social media part of it is you're going to be able to talk to people about what they're doing. So you're going to know who is behind that, that project is not only, Oh, well, you know, I get to see this video and it looks cool or maybe not, or I don't know. It's I know who is behind the project. I get to talk to the person behind the project. I know what they're about. And when you have that connection to the person that is behind it, then you're going to have more closeness to them. And then you're going to feel more more the connection to the fact that you're actually enabling them. Also, when you start funding it, when you start helping the, the funding process, you get to see where your money is going to. You get to see what they're doing with the money that you're helping them create something, you know? So, Wait, so um, you're saying so with it, with like a crowdfunding, so like, let's say, um, I don't know, thousand dollars comes in, then they mm-hmm. see like whoever, uh, like uh, just like the GoFundMes and stuff, you can kind of see who, who it, I think you can see, right? Who in, in, um, invested or, or, um, put money in or whatever. And then, so then they'll see where that's actually going, like in the development or in the, writing or in the 
acting or yeah. anything like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, for example, for example, you're creating content, right? And and then you have a thousand dollars that people give you a thousand dollars, and then you have five more different videos of different things, and maybe you you your videos look better because you bought a, a new camera or you uh, or you hired somebody for audio or or something like that. And then you see the impact you as a user, as a as a person that it's funding is having in the thing that you want to see. So I'm helping you grow your content. And at the same time, I see how you grow it. So I know that what I'm doing for you is actually helping. But if I, if I let's say you get $1,000 and then your image looks worse and your sound sounds worse and, and your content is lazy and you're not really paying attention anymore, then I will also know that you're not serious about what you're doing. So that creates... That that creates uh, a sense of accountability like for the people that are going to be asking for money. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, like a check and balances system. I mean, I mean that's actually yeah. really amazing because you know, a lot of times you do these, the, you know, these crowdfunding things, and I'm not talking negatively about any of them, but you, you're like, well, did my money really go to this thing, or did my money is my rent money really being spent well? Or I mean, I think that's amazing. Right. It's really now yeah. you have a checks and balances system in place. That's awesome. That's right. And say, for example, you are creating a project, right? Um, say, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is that, that you're going to be able to hold in your hand, like a product. And then you finish the, the fundraising. At the end of the fundraising, what you can do in order to, to let people know the advances that you are reaching and the things that you're going to be doing, you're going to be creating content for it. So you're going to be showing people like, oh, thank you, everybody, for the amount of money that we raised. Now we're ready to start doing this. And then you get to show the machinery of creating the product. Then you get to show how things are moving forward. And you get to show uh, the, I don't know, the stores that, that you're going to be putting the product out on and all of these things. So, so you make the people that have helped you participants to the process of how you are actually going out in the world and growing whatever it is that you're putting out. So that makes you accountable and that makes your product and your service and yourself, um, that, that gives you uh, a sense of, of um, presence and connection to the people that are doing the things that, 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 uh, that are helping you. They're funding you. Yeah, it makes you feel involved so, too, because again, a lot of times yeah. you do you maybe you say you write that check, or even I mean, even regular film. There's like you know, there's people that write a big check and then they're not really involved, and then there's people that write a big check and they want to be involved and you don't want them involved. But um, True. because I produce movies, you know, and it's like this one guy he wants to invest all this money and then he doesn't really know what he's doing, but he's got all these opinions. But with this, it's kind of cool because they get to feel like they're really part of the process. And let's say. They really yeah. actually do want to get, or they want to build a brand, or they want to be involved in in production, or they want to um, launch this next new thing, or whatever. It's kind of cool to see, and kind of get, it's almost like a learning experience too for them, which is awesome. Absolutely, and this is this is this is all about reputation. So when you're when you're following through with the promises you said you were going to do, based on whoever or however amount of money you got from the people that have been supporting you, then your reputation status is going to rise up because people know that you're legitimate, that you're genuine, and you actually are, are a man or a woman of your word. So right. when you do that, the next time you have to raise funds or to put out a project, then people will easy. know exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. 
because they're they're yeah. they're going to trust you because they know that you do what you say you're going to do. So all right, so the pl yeah. platform is called Me There, and you said it's going to be there. launching later this year. Yes, we are uh, creating the prototype right now. I'm guessing we're going to be coming out with a beta within the month, month and a half from now, ideally. And we're going to start testing with different people. And then from then on, uh, as soon as we have the, the, the last changes, we're going to launch officially. So hopefully by June, July, we're going to be out. Wow. Okay. So you're, yeah, I this mean, is this has been uh, years in the making. So now we're okay. at the right stage where we can probably launch soon. Well, that's amazing. I mean, a lot of people that they want to get into production or they want to build a brand or they want to do whatever, they're like, you know, they just think that it's going to happen overnight. I'll tell you something right now. I've been, I've had movies. I've been in the entertainment industry for over 21 years, and I have a movie that I. It's a 65 million dollar movie that's been at every studio. They've had directors attached. We've been working on this thing for 15 years, so things do not get made yeah. overnight. So. It's your your hard work, dedication, and determination that's going to get it made by June. But this is not an overnight success, I would assume. No, no, no. I, uh, yeah. I mean, we we did a lot of research. We've been doing research for close to three years now, and uh, nice. the, what you're going to see is the simplest version of all the things that that we consider people are needing right now, or they needed before before this this whole uh, virus situation. Now I think it's even more that people are going to be benefiting from this because obviously they're going to have the possibility to start creating from their home and to start actually making a living from their home, doing whatever, whatever it is they, they love. And this is the thing. A lot of people say, and th this is actually one of the reasons why we, we decided to put this out in the world, because we have a lot of excuses not to do the things we want to do. And we have a lot of excuses not to live the life we love to live. And when you start saying, oh, I don't know if people are going to like this, or I don't know if I know anybody with money, or I don't know if I'm going to be able to lead anybody, or I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, then you yeah. basically reprive yourself from the opportunity to do something that you really want to do because of fear. So the whole point of creating me there is so you don't have any more excuses. Okay, I don't know if people are going to like it. Put it up. People will tell you if they like it or not really yeah, quickly. It. You don't know anybody with money. It doesn't matter. The community will support you. You don't know if you're going to be able to talk to people. Well, you're going to have to. And once you do it, you realize how good you are or how good you aren't. And then you get to practice. That's the beauty of it. You don't, I mean, nobody, nobody learn, nobody knows from the get go how to do things. You got to learn how to do them. So yeah. And I think right now it's a mistake and everybody makes a mistake, but you know, you get back up and you figure Absolutely. it out and you've got your focus group to kind of steer you in the next right direction. Well, these people love this, but maybe there's something to that. I think that's great. So I wish yeah. you all the luck with it. I mean, I think that's awesome. Thank you. And definitely Thank you. let Thank me you. know so that I can help, you know, I mean, I can go on and I can see and, 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 uh, promote it in any way that we can. For sure. Yeah. I will let all you right. know hundred percent. Well, Alberto, it's been a pleasure talking to you. So first of all, let's tell everybody where they can find you. You're on social media, Instagram, things like that. Because you mentioned, oh, well, you can't really see me. Well, let's tell them where to go see you. <laughs> Alberto, uh, in Instagram is at Alberto Zeni, Z-E-N-I. And uh, Twitter, it's at Alberto Zeni O-F. O-F? 
O-F. Yeah, it's oh. like official, but in Spanish, so it's just words. Oh, gotcha. All right. And yeah. now Narcos uh, Mexico season one and two are both out on Netflix, correct? That's right. No better time, people. Well, now, now, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting in quarantine. You better be sitting in quarantine. Go go catch that Narcos Mexico on Netflix, season one and two. It's a great show, and it's been a pleasure talking to you, Alberto. Likewise, Joe. Likewise. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much. I look forward to the Me There, um, you know, uh, launching later this year. And um, everybody go follow him at, at Alberto Zenny on Instagram and at Alberto Zenny OF on Twitter. Again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, subscribe, like, do all of that wonderful stuff. And we will see you next episode. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Alberto. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. And you can follow me at Joe underscore Lorenzo on Twitter and Instagram.